friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. This is Tim and Friends for Tuesday, March 21st. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff here with you once again in the immortal words of the Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. Mm. Did the Sens renew their playoff hopes a day after Uncle Timmy said, give them a second here? Did the Flames extinguish theirs? Both back in action tonight in the midst of 13 games on Frozen Pond tonight in the National Hockey League, including six Canadian teams. So fitting at Hockey Central immediately following us right here on Sportsnet. Nick Kiprios also going to stop by, play a little smoke, fire, or shut your pie hole, Canada's fastest growing game. As will <laughs> ESPN's baseball savant Jeff Passan after another unbelievable night at the World Baseball Classic. Jesse, I think we ended up on the right side of history on this tournament, no? Yeah, we were hyped up the whole time, but I think it has even surpassed what our expectations for the World Baseball Classic were. That's a wonderful question because I was high on it. Do you remember, and I'm not trying to be a douchebag here. This may come out douchebaggy. It's okay. And that, but you were talking about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm -hmm. going to the World Baseball mm -hmm. Classic and Jays fans not wanting him to go, which, let me be clear and fair, which was a very valid point, and many Jays fans were echoing the same sentiments. And I looked at you and I said, well, what about Dominican fans? Mm -hmm. Right? Like... I remember back to seeing especially the Latin American countries, especially Japan. And I like I feel like I was really high on this tournament. It hit us kind of with the cross, and you're right, because we've had some dramatic games that have been really, really, really good, last night included. So I think you might be right on this one. Like I, and I, I I wanted to throw all that caveat yeah. out there because I think you may be right on that one, even though I was high on it. I do think like there's an element of of maybe me personally being a little bit as much as I was anticipating it and expecting this to be fun, a little bit of ignorance as to how passionate some of the countries and, and fan bases were We've going We've had to be. a few of these before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just recency bias. That, yeah, that's that's the, like the epitome of recent. When you don't see it in your face all the time, sometimes totally. it's hard to remember back to what it was, and you just look at Italy playing in some place that isn't Italy and the, all the guys are born in Brooklyn or Toronto, so, yeah, right? Like, so true. Yeah, and, and you think of all the negative things, but there is definitely a lot of positive, and we will discuss it in First Things First. And the first hour with our boy Jeff Pass at ESPN. If that weren't enough, six in the NBA tonight, including Jesse, the leading scorer in the NBA since the All-Star break. Hamilton's Shea Gilgis-Alexander, the Thunder, taking on the man who he was traded for, Paul George, along with... OKC legend Russell Westbrook and the Clippers in L.A. A game you can see on Sportsnet 360 tonight. I mean, listen, I know I'm a little biased. Shea's got the Thunder, what, like a game back of the Crazy. Warriors for sixth in the West. Tightly packed, Wex, but they're just a game back of that sixth spot, like right into the playoffs. They're 5-1 and one in this month, and if he beats them dudes in L.A. when the Thunder get back home to OKC, SGA might start feeling like, well... Like Messi going out to eat in Argentina. Have you seen the video of this? Yeah. It's a nice connection he tried to make there, but there's nothing SGA can do. Are you <laughs> sure? Nothing he can do to get to this level. This is just it's Messi impossible. trying to leave a restaurant 
in Argentina. How does he have a smile on his face? Like, I, I understand, like, he's been like this. This is probably a lot because of what happened at the World Cup, obviously. They won a World <laughs> Cup, obviously. <laughs> but Messi's been, like, one of the all-time greats for a very long time. And I just wonder, like, how, how do you deal with that as a, as a, as a human being? How is he smiling but, through that? That's my question. Way, How are you smiling? I'm, I'm sorry that I chuckled at that, but that might know, be the, the understatement of the decade on this show. It might be because but he won like the But it's not like he Cup. went out in silence before <laughs> uh, before they won the World Cup. But they won the World no, Cup. Uh, yeah, understatement of the century. Thank you. Yes, yeah. I'll take it. I mean, I that, it. show it I one more it. time. Like the overhead it. while he's eating. So we saw him leaving, but if you roll it one more time, this is like... The crowd just begins to gather as he's eating. It's, it's, it's awful. I mean, it's great. It's amazing. It's so much fun. No, it can't be fun. But it's, it's awful. No, no, it can't be fun. With no privacy at any point. Like, I mean, the, the, the $100 million he makes a year helps. probably eases the burden of something like this. But yeah, it can't be fun. No. So SGA's not going to get that if they beat the Clippers tonight no, and go no, back there? No, he could win MVP. He could win the NBA title. No, Won't no. be like that. That looks like when Jesse goes back to Camp Tamarack. I, I, that oh, is no, what it looks like that. when you not go back even, there. Not even close. No? I was going to say that that's an average night for you. Weren't you a counselor? I mean, let's... let's. No, let's, I was a unit head. Oh, unit you gotta head. Clarify. Look out. you got to clarify. Uh, yeah. It's a much bigger deal <laughs> than just a counselor. Close. So, yeah. Close, yeah. <laughs> Either way, let's get the party started. Ruby, Biggie, first things first. So let it flow, Saduhara O. Oh. Diminish me like that. First things first. First. I thought you were going to be impressed with the Saduhara O, oh, but whatever. Yeah. Not a Beastie Boys fan, all right? No. Well, not not really. Not one of my like absolute favorites, but it's not like you mentioned the Beastie Boys and I don't know who they are. I got it. Yeah. I got it. Not that. Not that uh, young, I guess. Uh, we've got a great matchup set for the <laughs> final of the World Baseball Classic tonight in Miami. USA against Japan. You can see it on Sportsnet East, Ontario, and Sportsnet 1 at 7 Eastern time. And last night, Japan advanced with a ridiculous, yeah, dramatic, yeah. intergalactic walk-off victory over Mexico. They trailed 5-4 heading into the bottom of the ninth. They fought for their right to party. But Shohei Otani hit a leadoff double, as Shohei Otani does, followed by a walk to set up Munataka Murakama. Murakami for the game-winning hit. I got you. Said so many times correctly, too. <laughs> so you're telling me they were a little bit excited in Japan. Oh, I was going nuts. Just a wee bit excited in Japan. Honestly, Shohei going out for dinner might look like Messi. <laughs> in Japan? Yeah. Might, it might get there depending on what happens tonight. Literally. Live. So before we get to tonight, which we are going to get to because yeah. it's a, a, a matchup of just baseball superpowers, uh, did the game last night cement the WBC's place in baseball culture, in your opinion? It's a great way to put it, and I know we put it to uh, the masses at Tim and Friends on Twitter, so if you'd like to weigh in on this question, head there now and, and let us know what you think. And I don't want to get caught up in recency bias. I like to think that you and I uh, do a decent job of stepping back and trying to stay out of the day-to-day yeah. -day roller coaster of it all. And I also don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so, man. <laughs> this is, think about it, that was Japan and Mexico in Miami. 
Like it wasn't even in either of their home and native lands, and it was an unbelievable atmosphere, as was Venezuela and the United States of America. Like, think of this. And I know Dan Lebetard, who has made his hay uh, growing up in Miami and now broadcasting in Miami, said something similar, so I don't want to teeth it without giving correct due to my guy, Dan Lebetard. Mm -hmm. However, the contrast of what you saw last night and what you have seen in Miami over the last couple days and what you see there for 81 regular season games is jaw-dropping, is dramatic, is near polar opposite. And I think that's what grabs people by the old uh, you-know-whats and tells you that this is different, this is important, this is passionate. And that game last night was everything baseball should be, no? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I don't have, obviously, a rooting interest in a game like that, but... I was on the edge of my seat the entire the entire time. The entire time. Yeah. It was an amazing, amazing... Play after play after play after play. Yeah. And it was also like, what do you do here? What do you do there? What do you do? Which is what makes baseball absolutely amazing. You had the athleticism. You had the hand-eye. You had the tactics. Like, Mexican manager Benji Hill said... I think Japan moves on, but the world of baseball won today. Yeah. Amazing quote. And he said it in Spanish, otherwise we would play you the quote, but I don't want to do any translation that I don't feel like I could actually do, so I'll just read it to you in English. Again, I think Japan moves on, but the world of baseball won today. Like, I think he's right. I got one for you, too, from a friend of the show who joined us yesterday, John Morosi. Uh, one Spanish journalist said this to uh, JP. Uh, this is like the World Cup. Uh, in Spain, obviously, JP pointing out, this is not casual praise. The 2023 WBC is an inflection point for the tournament and sport of baseball. This certainly seems like, uh, if you didn't care about it before, many, many, many more people care about it now. And moving forward, uh, you got to think that there's, okay. there's going to be more buy-in from the players, especially moving forward. Well, but I thought there was already buy-in from the players. We'll maybe, the lineups, not, yeah. maybe not the American team and maybe not some of the Canadian team. I feel like... Anyone who's within driving distance of a Major League Baseball diamond, mm -hmm. a Major League Baseball field, can have the ability or the privilege to say, eh, I'll just wait. But I think, like, the buy-in from the players was, uh, you Darvish skipped spring training, yeah, right? He went to go to early camp with Japan over his Major League Baseball team. Like, I just think there's some ignorance and even Jeff Passan, who's going to join us in a flash, wrote about the American buy-in throughout the tournament and where they started and where they're at right now. And I think the real, like, I feel like this is a North American and maybe even not even Mexico, but North American ignorance when it comes to this tournament and what it means to the rest of the world, mm -hmm. which is kind of shocking to me because we've all grown up with soccer. We've all grown up with our parents' countries and the World Cup and having that feeling. We've all grown up with best on best, even though the NHL has torn it from us within the last little while. But we understand what it means to represent a flag on your chest. And while baseball hasn't bought in, every other sport, save for maybe basketball for a certain time, but don't tell Joker that. Yeah. Don't tell Slovenia and Luka Doncic that. Don't tell Greece that. Like, we've seen all of this, and now we're seeing it in baseball. And now that the Americans got a nice 
close up look at it. I don't think it's ever going to go away. It's a great point. There was a lasting image that I have that I just thought of when Trey Turner hit that grand slam against Venezuela. Yeah. It wasn't a walk-off, but the entire dugout came out to, to greet him at the plate. Right. It was. You don't see that in, in Major League Baseball. It was Jose Batista-esque. Right. Right. And that's, that's when baseball's at its best. And this tournament, in short order, has achieved that. Uh, two quick things uh, about Sho- Shohei Otani. One's from last night, and one is moving forward to tonight. Last night, leads off the ninth inning. Would you have pitched to Shohei Otani? So there was a lot. Speaking of ignorance, mm-hmm. there was a lot, and I understand it. There's an old baseball adage, you don't put the tying run or the winning run on first base, but when he's the best player, he is the best player on planet Earth right now, right? Well, he's going to face his teammate tonight. He probably has a thing or two to say about that, but it's one or two, yeah, I would say. Tim or Trout. All right. Probably Otani, yes. No, 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 you say what you want to say because people will say it's Trout, and I wonder if it isn't Otani, and I wonder if he isn't climbing up the ranks of the all-time greats. I mean, he's hitting 450 in this series, and he leads off with the double that, that... had people asking, why do you pitch to him? Okay, so here's why you pitch to him. There's nobody out, and the next two batters, one, a star in Japan. That's Masataka Yoshida. He's a career 326 hitter in Japan. His last three years, 351 batting average with a, with a 453 on base, a 336 with a 426 on base, and a 336 with a 449 on base. So... Of course, he walks, and now you have two on, and you have the best hitter in Japan next up to the plate in Munitaka Murakami. And this is a 23-year-old who, if you don't know, is already a two-time MVP, reigning Triple Crown winner in Japan, who broke Saduhara's O, Saduhara's O, Saduhara O's record for home runs in a season with 56 just last year. So Ridiculous. there was, yes, you can walk. Shohei Otani, but you're walking into two of the greatest hitters in Asia. And as we've seen from Otani, as we've seen from Ichiro, as we've seen from Name Your Guy, that is translatable. And I thought there was a little bit of disrespect. And trust me, um, Murakami's coming very, very soon. He's 23. He's coming. And he's very good. So I just wanted to give some context on why they pitched to Otani because there were two great, great hitters behind them. And Yoshida signed a five-year, $90 million contract with the Boston Red Sox. Right. Which I'm sure Jays fans will be thrilled about. Um, (laughs) So we talked about Otani last night. Will Otani perhaps pitch tonight? And could we see him maybe in the ninth inning closing out against his teammate, which I just said one and two best baseball players in the world at the moment? That would be the chef's kiss. Although I'll say this. It doesn't look like Mike Trout has been the best player in the world in this tournament. I'm still waiting for the Mike Trout moment. And remember, I'm a Trey huge, Turner has been. I'm a, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Mike Trout. Uh, I was supposed to go to watch Mike Trout and bring my son to see him because he wanted to see him in Toronto the day of the Toronto Raptors parade. <laughs> we never got there. Yeah, no yeah, we, ne- we never got there. So I'm a fan. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one tonight. It is not the uh, the tastiest of pitching matchups, as you saw. I have a feeling that if you dabble on the over, perhaps you mm. may see something uh, based on the two starting pitchers, but they have already adjusted. It is 10, 10 and oh, a half can't for wait. this game. It feels like all roads were leading up to this, the two best professional leagues in these two countries. But the way that we got here 
has been fantastic. And again, can't wait for the final tonight. Uh, but for now, we shift to the NHL. It is a busy night in the National Hockey League with 13 games on the schedule, including six Canadian teams in action after getting a big win in Pittsburgh last night. The Sens visit the juggernaut Bruins tonight. The Habs host the Lightning. John Tavares is back on Long Island as the Leafs visit the Islanders. The Jets and Flames in the thick of the West wildcard race. Winnipeg hosts the Coyotes tonight. Meanwhile, uh, Calgary visits Anaheim and the Canucks continue to play out the string as they host the Golden Knights. Last night, Dylan Ferguson was the hero for Ottawa, making 48 saves in his first NHL start in the Sens 2-1 win over the Penguins in Edmonton. Darnell Nurse scored the OT winner as the Oilers won their fourth straight game 5-4 over the San Jose Sharks. And the Flames turned in one of their worst performances of the season, to say the least, losing 8-2 to the Kings and squandering a chance to gain some ground in the wild card race. After a game like that, Timmy, do you still have hope that Calgary can make the postseason? We've examined this one every which way at this point. And to be honest with you, I have no idea what the Flames are other than what Bill Parcells told me a long time ago, you are what your record says you are. Mm -hmm. And right now, this is not a small sample size. This is almost a whole bloody year. And what the record says the Flames are is not good enough. Just flat out not mm -hmm. good enough. And every time you think that there is a, a corner turned, you, you think that perhaps there is an opportunity for them. Like, we could go through Ducks tonight. They get them twice. They get Vancouver twice. Like, we, we can't play that game anymore, can we? They got seven wins in the last 20 games. Yeah. They just flat out haven't been good enough. The thing that's alarming is, like, we've talked about how close they've been all season, and they've played so many close games. But when you really, really need it, like when you have to put your nose to the grindstone, when these are meaningful points. When you need to come up with a cliche. Like I just did five in a row. Mm -hmm. You go down 4 nothing in the first period. Like yeah. that, that, where is the disconnect? Like that's what I wonder. Like, is it a Daryl Sutter thing? Is it a leadership issue? Like, what, what is it in that, that was room? A, that was an embodiment of all those things. Like, you and I could go through it. Markstrom wasn't good either. That's an embodiment of the whole year, right? Yeah, yeah no kidding. You, you sign a guy in Nazem Kadri, seven years, $49 million, and he plays 12, 12 minutes. minutes and 35 seconds in the game. Crazy. Like, Uberdo is signed long term. Sutter, his new contract kicks in next year. Just one coach of the year. Well, of course he did. And I wonder if that's not a curse because I went through all the coaches <laughs> yeah. of the years. And trust me, it's not great to win coach of yeah. the year. I'm going to tell you that right now. In fact, I, I wrote it down for you. Ready for this one, Jesse? Yeah, go for it. Uh, of the last 10 Jack Adams Award winners, and remember Sutter won one last year, Rod Brindamore won one a year ago, six of them have been gone in two years or oh less after winning the award. And Flames fans will remember that Bob Hartley for sure, won yeah. in 2015, and he was out in May of 2016. Oh, it's so like the Madden know. curse. Yeah, I don't know if there's a Jack Adams curse, but that's less than a year. That's no good. I'm not suggesting Daryl Sutter's out here. I think we all know how this breaks down, and I don't want to talk about people's jobs because it makes me feel uncomfortable, but the general manager doesn't have a contract beyond this year, and you've got the head coach playing one of the key signees um, 12 minutes and 35 seconds in what was a must-win game last night for the team, and having ripped the other guy that they picked up in Jonathan Uberdo and asking him to do more. So, like, 
none of this is good for Calgary and none of this is an enviable situation for anyone. And I don't even know what kind of changes they can make. I know to try and fix it other than the periphery because all these guys are signed long-term. Uberdo, Markstrom, Kadri. It's almost like you're going to have to go into the offseason and just like kind of get lucky with someone on the periphery because you're, you're right. You, you just brought these guys here. You thought you were going to be right back where you were last year, and it has been anything but that. Uh, but then you look at the, the other team in Alberta who is going in the complete opposite direction right now, the Edmonton well, Oilers. Who, who's going there quicker, the Edmonton Oilers or the Los Angeles Kings? Like, yeah. as we glaze, in 10 in a row. Yeah, as we glaze yeah. over what the L.A. Kings did to the Calgary Flames mm-hmm. in order to get to the – like yesterday we talked about what the Rangers were doing in the Eastern Conference. Sure. The Los Angeles Kings are doing the exact same thing in the Western Conference. Tied for the lead in the Pacific. And yeah. it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to see what goes down in the Pacific – to the wire and the Kings are now tied with the Golden Knights the the Oilers as you could do the math in your head hopefully (laughs) now four points back and your boy Jesse Rubinoff Matthias Ekholm again oh my goodness he scores twice I know we're showing the Kings domination but the Oilers getting the win last night there four straight as you mentioned they're now eight and two with Ekholm in the lineup and in those 10 games he is yet to post a dash and is plus 15 in the 10. I, I know and there will be those that will say that that is an antiquated stat. It's a team stat. When he's been on the team, they've been good. Being plus 15 in 10 games with your new team, I'm sorry, when you're a top-line defenseman, that tells you something about the dude. <laughs> and the fit. Is, is that, like, think about all the moves that were made at trade deadline week. Like, that one stands out to me. Obviously, uh, Patrick Kane was a huge move. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly's been injured for the Leafs. There have been a lot of moves. There were a lot of moves made. But this one stands out to me as the move of the deadline if you're just going based on the hockey that we've seen from that time. This guy yeah. has been And the best player that we've seen since that time. He's yeah. completely changed the makeup of the team. And, like, I don't know if he's, if he's that good or it's just, like, sort of like I talked about the Flames. You make a little tweak. And that's like it, it's a it's a big move, but it's not a move that you would think that all of a sudden turns them from a fringe playoff team to a cup contender. And that's certainly what it looks like they have become with the addition of one defenseman. Okay, let me one defenseman. Let me throw one thing at you. Yeah, go for it. Jack Campbell did allow four goals last night. Yeah, they were playing against the San Jose Sharks, and there were a couple called back. Like I know you're excited. They're bad. About They're really bad. The San Jose Sharks. Really bad. They could have won that game easily, and the Oilers did not really stop them. Yeah, but how much they of that has to do with Jack them. Campbell? Like he, he can't he can't finish a game with a save percentage above 900. Okay, but you're, you're like you were just. I was going to call a doctor about the Edmonton Oilers because we were getting to a long period of time for you to be excited about the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> I'm very and bullish on the Oilers. I know. I'm very, I'm very bullish. I, on I know them. you are, and. And the goaltending scares me. Still. Yeah, yeah, right, rightfully so. I mean, Stuart Skinner is, is a young guy. And it, it's obvious at this point that he is the guy that they're going to have to rely on. Like, Jack Campbell's a non-starter. No pun intended. Like, you, you can't, he's not going to get any meaningful games moving forward because he can't, he can't have a game where he allows less than three goals. And, and it's, uh, you can feel bad for him, but it's a professional, it's the National Hockey League. Like, you, you cannot just go in there every night and allow this many goals. And, yes, 
maybe. The, okay, but which side of your mouth are you talking maybe, about? Like, maybe. like which, which one do you believe in more? You think that Stuart Skinner is good enough to make the Oilers yes. legit contend? Okay. Yes. Yes, no, no question. No question. Would you like to make a bet that Jack Campbell starts games in the postseason? I don't think that happens. I'll make a bet. I yeah. make a bet. I, that can't happen. That will not happen. But I think the Oilers can model after the, the abs from last year. Like, I really think that is the model. Like, Skinner doesn't have to be great. Everyone says that, and that's wonderful. It's one year, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Like, let's look at the history of the National Hockey League and say how many teams with average goaltending have gone far in the postseason. And it doesn't happen. Now, guys can get on heaters, and the reason why I think Jack Campbell will start games in the postseason is because I don't know if Stuart Sarah can just take the ball and run with it. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, listen, I hope he does. For Oilers, for real hockey fans' sake, I hope he does. Mm -hmm. And that's who I cheer for in the postseason is the teams that have real fans that are really invested in the game. Canadian so, teams. A lot of them are Canadian. <laughs> a lot of them are Canadian. Boston's got some real hold fans. Hold on, hold on. The Canadian. Rangers have some real fans. Canadian teams. Yeah, that, yeah, that too. But I just I don't have the faith that you have in their goaltending right now. I don't have the faith that if you struggle with the San Jose Sharks the way they did last night, I'm not going to sit here and say that everything's unicorns, fairies, and sugar plums or whatever the hell the saying is. I, I get it. I get it. I, I, I just think when you, when you look, they might not have a choice is my point. Like if you're going to win... You may not have a choice. You may have to play the way the Colorado Avalanche played last year. You may not get great goaltending. But yeah, if you're I going just, to win, they I, can outscore people. I would just point to the rest of the history of hockey. I know. Other than the last year. Let me ask you this, though. You go through the playoff teams. If we could put the standings board up, like, I don't think the goaltending is what it used to be in this league. Like, no, I don't think I, there are many teams I on that be. there that have unbelievable goaltending that can I mean everyone can get hot like you said yeah. but I'm not sure there are many goalies that. that can carry their team single-handedly to a Stanley Cup there's no J.S. Jaguar taking the Ducks to the Cup final that year anymore shattered after shattered after shattered it just doesn't exist like Vasilevsky maybe but we know they're a good hockey team yeah I mean obviously. what we've seen in Boston and I know they haven't done it in the postseason but what we've seen in Boston is pretty damn good defensive hockey for sure um, and that's why they're an overwhelming favorite in the East to win it all. And Shesterkin in New York is one of those guys that once he figures it out in the postseason could mm -hmm. be one of those goalies that could take you to the promised land. But that's what I'm really what I'm talking about here is I, I don't really know what the Oilers are because I don't really know what they're going to get from their goaltenders sure. when it matters most. And I was just trying to push the brakes on the bullish Rubinoff. Oh, very, very bullish. Um, also bullish on Dylan Ferguson. That was wonderful. What a great story, no? Awesome. Yeah, like, I mean, I got to find it. And if you can talk, I, like, where yeah. he went, okay? So mm -hmm. he plays in Kamloops. That's mm -hmm. where he's drafted. Mm -hmm. All right, that's where he plays junior hockey. He's drafted by Dallas, uh, Vegas for one game, then Fort Wayne in the ECHL, easy for me to say, 16 <laughs> games, Chicago in the AHL, two games, Henderson in the AHL, one game, Fort Wayne in the ECHL, 11 games, Henderson in the AHL for 13 games, and just this year, okay, just this year, Toronto AHL, five games, Wichita, ECHL, Wichita. no games, Belleville AHL, <laughs> six games, 935 save percentage, up to the show, first NHL start. He played nine minutes years ago for Vegas. That was the only other time he had played in the National Hockey League. And my guy was lights out last night. Yeah. As the, what, fifth different goalie to start 
for the Ottawa Senators this year? Sixth. Right. <laughs> but you know what's crazy? It's not like he just went in there and, and stopped 20 shots and no, he stole that ish. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what many hockey, many hockey teams, many playoff teams hope they get that performance from their goaltending in the playoffs. But like Fergalicious, really? Like we're not going to do that to this kid, are we? I hope not. Fer- Fergalicious? I hope not. Yeah, no. I, I, I know Kevin Mickey was riding it last night, but he wasn't the only one. Like I, I saw Twitter, I saw the NHL Twitter account go Fergalicious. Like we don't do that to a grown ass man, do we? It's disrespectful. I would ask him first. Personally, maybe he likes Fergalicious. Could be, perhaps. Won't judge him if he does. Still the cup, Nick Kiprios in studio. Ahead of 13 games in the National Hockey League tonight. Plus, smoke, fire, or shut your pie hole. Sadier Shaw ahead of hosting the Canucks broadcast telethon tonight, along with Elliot Friedman. And after the break, one of the best in the biz, Jeff Passan, joins us ahead of the World Baseball Classic final, which both Jesse and I can agree on being bullish on. Tim and friends, it's spring, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, it's spring. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the center of the baseball world tonight. The Rosarena at the wall. He leaps and he caught it. Are you not entertained? And it is off the wall. Otani flying around third. Right behind him. Scoring the winning run. It's a walk-off. Japan will play for the championship. Chance. Oh, what a stop by Ferguson. Great club save made by Ferguson. What a night for Dylan Ferguson. A night he'll never forget. All right. No, Rod. Welcome to the center of the baseball world tonight. The star power is something else. One win away from playing for a World Baseball Classic Championship. Rios to left. It is good. Team Mexico strikes first. And he goes. A high fly ball to Rosarena at the wall. He leaps. And he caught it. Are you not entertained? This guy, he is something else. It is hit high and deep down the right field line. It is gone off the foul pole. Tie game. They're alive. What a moment. Verdugo in the left center field. He puts Mexico right back in front. How clutch has he been? He just can't ask for more than this. Bottom of the night. Otani's going to lead off. So here we go. Otani rips a base hit into right center field. How good is this guy? Man, he's unbelievable. Now, Yoshida, he could win it here. Gregorita! We'll be hoping for more drama tonight as Japan takes on the United States of America, otherwise known as the USA. 
in the World Baseball Classic Final. See it 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, Sportsnet 1 Ontario and East. Can't wait. So a dream final, some pretty crazy games. And, you know, I do my best to remove myself from any hyperbole, but an unreal atmosphere. Has this tournament this year finally won over the skeptics? Yes, even the privileged among us were spoiled by 162 big league games within driving distance. Have those folks been won over? Or has this been overwhelmed by the dreaded recency bias? I've worked hard to avoid it, but I can't say that I, I don't get caught up every once in a while despite doing this five days a week for as much as two hours a day. Here to help me figure that out is one of the best in the business. He bombs atomically. You determine whether or not you believe the Socrates philosophies and hypotheses, but I won't be mocking these. It's ESPN's Jeff Glass. And welcome back, my dude. How are you? My friend, I'm doing great. I'm down in the bowels of Lone Depot Park uh, <laughs> about an hour and 23 minutes from... One of the most anticipated games I've covered in a long time, and I cover the World Series every year, so that's saying something. Okay, so yeah, I, I know you wrote about the American team, but has the hardcore American fan been won over yet, Mr. Passan? It's tough to say at this point, <laughs> and listen, I think we're all subject to biases, right? Yep. It's not only recency bias, but it's the bias we have for Major League Baseball, and that, that up to this point is really all the American and Canadian fan has known about high-quality baseball. But, uh, man, you look at this tournament and you look at the sorts of games that are happening. And, and the, the reason it's opened my eyes, and, and I've covered uh, all the World Baseball Classics, but this edition in particular, it, it just reminds you that baseball is the game more than any, I feel, that is ripest for an upset. Right, like if you go and look at the the roster of Team Mexico yesterday and the roster of Team Japan, um, Japan is like clearly a more talented team, and yet there was Mexico three outs away from advancing to the finals. And uh, I I love the idea, especially in a tournament setting, that the best team, the best talent, is not necessarily going to win and. Even though we ended up with, you know, arguably the two best teams and most talented teams in the finals in Japan and USA, I feel like the quality of the games up to this point has been spectacular. Okay, so I'll ask you the question we asked our audience earlier today on Twitter. Is this the year where the World Baseball Classic cements its spot in the culture of baseball? I sure hope so. And, I, you know, I, I think a lot is owed to Shohei Otani. I don't want to put it on one man necessarily, but the the fact that the best player in the world isn't from the United States or Canada or the Dominican Republic or Venezuela or right. Cuba, uh, but literally halfway across the world, I, I think that that has opened people's eyes to the idea of baseball as a more global game. You know, we I, I think baseball fans have long known and understood how important the game is in Japan. Um, we're just getting to see it now. And social media has certainly helped in that regard because uh, Japanese fans is, are, are incredibly passionate to the point. I'm, I'm sure you've seen this, Tim, but perhaps some of your viewers haven't. Um, half the households in Japan are tuning in to watch these games. <laughs> Like 65 million people yeah. were estimated to watch the quarterfinal game. Yeah. 65 million. I mean, this in Japan 
is like the Super Bowl. Right. And, it, and, and if the Japanese who love baseball can embrace the game and their national team like this, I, I don't see any reason why the United States can't do the same. Uh, I don't see any reason why Canada, if, you know, hopefully there's uh, a, a golden generation of Canadian players, can't do the same. We, right. we see it every four years, you know, every two years, I guess, at the Olympics. And I covered four Olympics, so I saw it up close and personal. Um, when, when you bring in national pride to sports and mix the two together, magic happens. Yeah. And I think what we've seen in the World Baseball Classic this year has been pretty magical. Dude, we watch curling because of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not true. You watch curling because it's awesome. <laughs> that too. Uh, there are a lot of folks around here that'll be happy that you said that. But I believe that some of it has to do with that national pride. Okay, so let's look ahead. Like, is 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 this the dream final? Despite the fact that the pitching matchup isn't exactly all that dreamy. I mean. Look, there there are undoubted drawbacks to what the WBC looks like right now. Right. I think one of them is the timing is a little bit weird, but I, I don't know that there's a good time to actually play this tournament. We can't do it in the All-Star um, break, the, can we? Because like, that was one more question that I had, and we're going to run out of time here. But could we do it at the All-Star break? I suppose you could, but, uh, you know, pausing things for a couple of weeks, I... I don't know hockey all that well, but I, I think that if you play hockey, you can take a two-week break and go back out there and not lose you know, speed on your skates or not lose right. velocity on your shot. Um, but the rest pitchers of the are going to need yeah. – yeah, pitchers, you know, it's two weeks down. Uh, if you're not maintaining, uh, maintaining your arm shape, the, you know, it could be a catastrophic thing for injuries. I just don't think that's something that – they want to risk. There's weather factors. There are all sorts of things. Could they do it? Yeah. Are the players going to agree to it? No, probably, probably not. not. Um, and, and the injury. Listen, the injury factor is a real thing. But uh, I think in the end, the, the positives far, far outweigh the negatives. If you're trying to look at this as something that's going to raise the profile of the sport, which I think it absolutely is done. Uh, you called Otani the best player in the world. Is he going to pitch tonight? I sure hope so, man. Like, can you imagine, like, one run game, ninth inning, two outs, Otani on the mound, and up steps Mike Trout. Like, you want to talk about the best moment for a baseball nerd like myself. I can't, I can't dream of anything better than that. And it's a distinct possibility tonight. Uh, I love the excitement in your voice as a passionate baseball fan. Both Jesse and I are brought I mean, listen, up the I'm same. Not, I'm not. I'm not Morosi. Like <laughs> Morosi would marry. Morosi would marry the World Baseball Classic. If it happened. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he, he would leave wife and yeah. kids and just go on a loaf with the WBC. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I'm. I'm a big fan of what this is, and uh, I, I'm glad to hear that I sound passionate because. Uh, I love this game in, in all of its many representations, whether it's at Little League, high school, uh, major league, or international level. And I think they've done a really good job of representing the game of baseball. You and me both appreciate you dropping in, even though it's on the run, in the bowels, on the phone. Yeah, I'm never going to say that word again on TV. I apologize, Canada. <laughs> all right, be well. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk soon, okay? All right, thanks, brother. There is uh, one of the best in the business, Jeff Passan, joining us here on Tim and Friends. Trout Otani in the ninth inning.
Sign me up. Sign you up. Yeah, Sign us all up. It feels like everyone is talking about it, thus it won't happen. <laughs> it's never going to happen. But if no. it does happen, yeah. then what I thought was the chef's kiss last night to the World Baseball Classic, it will be replaced by whatever yeah. the hell happens yeah. in that matchup. All right, Nick Kiprios on his way for the final half hour plus after the break. The Canucks have won seven of their last eight hockey games. But is the fan base happy about that? We'll discuss it with Sadir Shah. For he hosts the Canucks Broadcast Telethon tonight on Sportsnet Pacific. Tim and Friends continues. Next. Welcome back, kids. The Canucks may be out of the playoff chase, but they're still playing pretty well, whether you like it or not. Finding a groove under Rick Tockett, winning seven of the last eight. Tonight, they host the Golden Knights, who are tied atop the Pacific on Sportsnet Pacific. And tonight's a special one as the Canucks for Kids Fun Telethon goes today. So coverage starts a little early, 6.45 local, 9.45 Eastern. And my next guest will co-host the 33rd Annual Affair alongside Elliot Freeman. It's Sadir Shah who joins me now. Welcome back, Sat. You good? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back on the show. Hey, anytime. Listen, uh, Canucks.com slash telethon is the place that you can go to help the Canucks for Kids Fund. And you could win a brand new car. What else is up for grabs tonight on the telethon? Like, what are you, what are you hawking early to raise some money here? Oh, man, make sure to tune in. There, there are a lot of really cool events uh, and, and prizes up for grabs. And, you know, you mentioned the Toyota Corolla all-wheel drive LE edition. <laughs> nice. and that's going to be a good. sweet ride. Yeah, real yeah. sweet ride, man. I'm looking forward to uh, handing that over to somebody. And, and there are a lot of really cool uh, things you can win. And, I mean, hey, if you just donate over 100 bucks, you can get a Kevin Bieksa photograph, which I know oh, a lot God, of people would yeah. love to see. And there's a lot more other things. Uh, absolutely, man. Who, who doesn't want to see a, a photograph of, Kevin Bieksa. And all I expect Kevin to notate a bunch of times just to get <laughs> the pictures of himself. Oh, I'm sure he will be. <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll make sure that's the most uh, sought-after item. But, yeah, uh, make sure to uh, go to Canucks.com slash telethon, and you can get, get, get to the giving right now. It doesn't matter where you live. It, it, it obviously goes a long way to help a number of charities. And, I mean, the amount of work that the Canucks for Kids uh, Fund Telethon has done over the years and, and how far it's reached over the, third, the past 30 years, it's remarkable. We're talking about you know, close to $100 million that's been raised over years. We're talking about massive changes that have happened and huge impacts on societies, on people's families. It's a real personal night. The thing I love the most about it, and I'm thrilled to be part of it this year, is to share the stories about what people have gone through and how beneficial the Canucks for Kids Fund Telethon has been and a number of charities it reaches out to. So we're very excited to be part of it again this year. And, and I know Rogers does his best to support this cause as well. So, so we're, we're happy to be on board. Yeah, you know, I, I always do that. Whenever we're, we're talking about a charity, I, I want to know where the money is going. And for those wondering, as Sat said, like almost $100 million to charities that support children's health and wellness, education, social impact programming, and the development of grassroots hockey throughout BC. So uh, <laughs> almost $100 million. Crazy. Ain't yeah. half bad. All right, so Sat, we got to talk a little hockey here. Like, what the hell are the Canucks doing winning all these games? Uh, they're, they're winning meaningless hockey games. And, okay, I mean, we can say from the coach's perspective, I'm sure uh, Rick Tockett is happy to, you know, set his standards and create the system that he wants. And the biggest buzzword in, in Vancouver over the past year hasn't been tanking. It's been structure. And now the structure we're right. seeing a lot better in terms of how they're playing so far this year. But, uh, you know, Tim, fans have seen this before, right? We're talking about years of, the team making a push late in the season and the next year falls flat. 
Right. Especially the last two years. I mean, we all know what happened with Bruce last year. We were all super excited about how it's all going to come together. And then this year it fell flat. The year before, in the North Division year, they had a bit of a push. They had the big COVID outbreak. But I remember they beat the Leafs. They showed some spunk down the road and said, okay, hey, maybe these guys, they, they have some character here and they're not going to lay down lightly and, and maybe they'll be motivated next year. And obviously it fell flat again. So, it's kind of like fool me once, you know, right. uh, shame on you, fool me twice, uh, shame on me. So I think that's how fans feel. So until the, this organization or these players show up in camp next year and get off to a good start, I think it's going to be hard for fans to take these W's, at least most of them. Right. Or as George Bush once said, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. <laughs> Won't be fooled again. I asked the question like tongue firmly planted in cheek because as frustrating as it is to win games that don't matter, especially in Vancouver. But there, there is important team and player building going on. Who have you seen the most improvement or maybe maybe the biggest difference in under Rick Tockett? I think it's the guy who's been talked about the most, the, the Canuck player who's been rumored in trade discussions uh, and signings over the past two years. And we thought maybe JT Miller signing a seven-year extension would quell the trade talk. Quite the opposite over the course of the season. But he's been uh, by far the player who's in, in, uh, improved his game the most uh, individually under Rick Tockett. And it's really a kind of a microcosm of the entire team and how they played under Rick Tockett. You see the goals for and goals against splits, but also if you go, you know, dig a bit deeper into the underlying numbers, they've become far more respectable in their process and how they play. And, and the guy who's really personified that on an individual basis is JT Miller. He's been a point per game player. He's been driving play and he's had that physical aspect back to him. And he's, he's playing center over these past 23 games. He's been playing down the middle exclusively, and he's won his matchups consistently. So right. for all the questions about do the Canucks have a succession plan for Bull Horvat at least short term, well, if JT keeps playing this way individually, I think that's something you should be at least pretty confident about translating to next season. Again, uh, note the start time a little earlier. It is 6.45 local. You can see Satshaw and Elliot Friedman. Just make sure he's got his tie done up. He's just a little bit sloppy every once in a while, chat. But uh, thanks for doing this. Great catching up with you and have some fun tonight, okay? Hey, my pleasure, guys. Anytime. Thank you. Again, Canucks.com slash telethon. Crazy. I think the number is uh, over $87 million raised for local children's charities. A new car. <laughs> and you can win. A new car. On the other side, keep the <laughs> hockey talk going as Nick Kiprios joins for his regular Tuesday appearance. We'll discuss trouble in Flamesland, tee up the night on the ice. And I didn't say shot, Shaw, did I? Don't think so. No, I did not. Now you did. Time for real sports talk with Jim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Hey, muchas gracias, Sheep Dogs, back here. Final half an hour on Tim and Friends. Nick Kiprios in mere moments from now with plenty to talk about in the National Hockey League. 13 games on the schedule tonight, so let's get right to it. We'll start with the Toronto Maple Leafs on Long Island against some familiar faces. The Leafs have a three-point lead on the Lightning, two games in hand in the battle for home ice in the first round. DJ Brody gets a night off, a little banged up. They will rotate defensemen leading up to the playoffs. John Tavares will surely get some booze as he plays on a line with Mitchell Marner. 
Ilya Samsonov starts in net, but he and his partner are expecting a child anytime, so things could change in a hurry. The Flames, after the disaster last night, right back at it tonight in Anaheim. See it, 8 Mountain, 10 Eastern, regionally Sportsnet West. The Flames come off that 8-2 beatdown at the hands of the Kings last night. They're down 4-0 after one. Jacob Markstrom pulled after six goals. They have 11 games to try and figure out a way to the postseason, but it seems like it's becoming a steeper climb by the day. Let's check in with Eric Francis and get his thoughts. Eric, can the Flames turn this thing around in time? Well, people have wanted to write this team off many times, and, you know, in my case, write that definitive column saying it's over and they can't make the playoffs, but I'm still not writing it. Uh, you know, this team has a knack for for, uh, you know, finishing a game with a thud like last night's 8-2 loss and then bouncing back the next night. You know, today and last night, they're saying all the right things. They still believe. They have to believe. And I think the Winnipeg Jets, you know, have given them reason to believe uh, that they can still participate in this this little race. But at the end of the day, they're going to have to show it. Tonight's game in uh, Anaheim is as big a game as they've had all season long. They have to win this game right now. Uh, otherwise, maybe I will be writing that column as early as tonight. Yeah, I got you. I got you. The door has been open because of those Jets. I mean, they enter the night four points up on the Flames as they host the Coyotes. More from Winnipeg. Let's check in with Sean Reynolds. Sean. Yeah, Tim, this battle for the eighth and final playoff spot in the Western Conference between the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames, it is downright baffling at this point. You've got the Winnipeg Jets constantly holding that playoff door open for the Calgary Flames, saying, after you, and you've got the Flames responding by saying, no, no, after you, time and time again. It just doesn't make any sense. Two very capable rosters that look like they could do something dangerous if they just put it together. And they just can't seem to do it. The Jets, perfect example over the last number of games. A couple of games ago, they lose 3 nothing to the Boston Bruins. They follow that up by going into Nashville against a Nashville team that had been red hot heading into that game. And they pull off a come-from-behind victory. Look like there's starting to be a reason to believe. And then they followed up the very next night with a no-show against the St. Louis Blues. Look, the Jets' analytics, everything has been trending in the right direction. They look like they're getting better. They're just not getting the results. And that game against the Blues is a perfect example of why. Just not enough effort in that game. That is the message their head coach is trying to get across. They need that effort if they're going to get to where they want to go. How you play will dictate how badly do you want to make the playoffs. That's what it comes down to. We talked about that this morning. So the analytics and take all that stuff aside, um, you're, you're, how hard you play the game and play in the right way, every shift will dictate how badly you want to make the playoffs. Now, Tim, if you take a look at the schedules that remain for both the Winnipeg Jets and Calgary Flames, it's interesting. They have two of the easier schedules for the remaining balance of the season. But Rick Bonus says that could be a little bit of fool's gold. You have to worry about those teams that come in playing loose. And this Arizona Coyotes team is a perfect example of that. Points in eight straight games. They've won six of their last eight games. They have two wins over the Calgary Flames in the last month, so they've done a lot of damage to their playoff hopes. The Jets trying to avoid that same fate here tonight. Tim. Thanks, Sean. Uh, the Sens getting a huge effort from Dylan Ferguson last night as they got a much-needed win against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So he was sick last night. Now he's just sick. Rough news after last night's effort. He is out with a non-COVID illness 
and Kevin Mandolés has been recalled just in time for a tough test as they face the Bruins in Boston. Although I will say this, the Sens 2-1 and one this year against the Boston Bruins. Hmm. Meanwhile, the Habs host the Lightning in Montreal. They will welcome back both Brendan Gallagher and Kirby Dock. Now, Gallagher missed 32 games with a lower body injury. Dock missed 16, also LBI on the old injured list. Habs have 12 games remaining and have the fifth fewest points in the NHL entering play. Why do I say that? Oh, you know, Jesse, Betsy. Betsy. And this is Kipper in studio. You know, I love Tuesdays. Yeah, I like talking hockey. I like Tuesdays. With Nick well. here in studio. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? So, with uh, Dylan's suffering from exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, from carrying the team <laughs> on yes. his back last night. I mean, that was like, and I read it out to Jesse earlier in the show. Whenever you hear, okay, drafted by Dallas, uh, Vegas one game, Fort Wayne ECHL 16 games, Chicago AHL two games, Henderson AHL one game, Fort Wayne again for 11 games, then the Henderson again just this year it's been Toronto AHL five games yeah. Wichita ECHL no games Belleville AHL six games and then he comes it's, up and absolutely yeah, it is, stones Crosby and company it is a remarkable story and you live for that moment uh, your whole life is built for that moment and uh, now He's going to get greedy. He wants another one and another one. Unfortunately, he doesn't get to build off that uh, 24 hours later. So it's got to be Matt Sogard tonight for another must-win for the Ottawa Senators. Um, We're going to get into uh, their head coach in a flash and smoke or fire. Shut your pie hole. (laughs) But what do you make of what the Sens have done kind of post-deadline? A little bit of a run, got us all excited, and then that five-game losing streak. The the five game losing streaks very disappointing uh, especially with a guy like Chickering coming in with a ton of uh, um, upside here uh, reinforcements on that back end that uh, Pierre Dorian has been looking for over a year and a half on but uh, it's no goaltending and uh, that's that seems to be hurting a lot of teams. I know we're going to probably talk about Calgary as well, but if you don't have a guy back there on a consistent basis, you, you, it's really hard to compete. But they've got tremendous pieces. We know that, and we've witnessed that uh, all season long. The loss of Josh Norris hurt them as well in the center ice position. Mm-hmm. We know how pivotal that is as a number one guy. But uh, tremendous upside for the Ottawa Senators. Unfortunately, it won't come with uh, – the last uh, dozen uh, meaningful games. This is not where I read the uh, Gustafson numbers in, in Minnesota, right? Like, I just yeah. took that out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Back uh, those off. Okay, all right, yeah. So let's, uh, let's go from one tough story to another tough story. I mean, what was that from Calgary last night? Yeah, and uh, we just heard from Eric Francis, and I know he wants to be optimistic on this, but uh, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see a, an organization that you can definitively say that there's uh, just one issue here. And I just spoke moments ago about the goaltending, and yeah, Marston has been horrible. No, no, no question about that. Um, but there just seems to be so much more going on with this uh, organization behind the scenes. And... Uh, you know, one of them may be with their uh, general manager and their coach, maybe a different philosophy and who has the hammer there, uh, whatever the case is. Now we're starting to hear some some talk about uh, uh, the relationship between Daryl Sutter and uh, Nazem Kadri and watching his ice time. 
go down to, what, 12 minutes the last two yeah. games. So there, there's a ton going on with the Calgary Flames. I don't think that there's going to be enough to, to turn this thing around, especially coming off of a, a really bad look last night in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, to, to go down is one thing. To go down 4 nothing after one yeah. and lose 8-2 in that one is another one. I, I mentioned, you know, like I, didn't, I don't want to make, uh, you know, a big thing, a mountain out of a molehill here, but... I mentioned the Kadri ice time too, and when your GM signs a guy seven yeah. years, that much money, and then the head coach plays him, you know, 12:35 in a must-win game, like it seems like there's a little bit of a wedge here. No? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't think um, I don't think he's uh, he, he's a type of guy that says I don't like Nazem Kadri, I can't play him, I don't trust him, I don't want him. I mean, right. I think he was in for close to nine minutes. Um, and and he really shut down Kadri when the game was over. Right. And whether or not he wants to use him as a as a scapegoat to the rest of the team, um, I don't know. But I'm sure he's going to come right back at him, and 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 hopefully he has a, a good night tonight. And but Kadri would be one of those guys where if if he's even watching uh, Daryl handle the rest of the team or say things, you know, he, not necessarily one to just sit there and, and, yeah. and take it. So I think there's probably been a few confrontations between the two of them. But ultimately, I believe that uh, I, I don't see Kadri going anywhere, and I don't see Daryl Sutter going anywhere. Uh, so and you don't see Huberto going no. anywhere. You don't see Markstrom on no. that contract going anywhere either. Like so it's just they're, a mess. They're, they're just going to have to work it yeah. out. I, I'm not convinced that there's enough time to work it out to save their season. Uh, but this is the type of team. And if I go back to 1994, man, it's miss the playoffs one year and come back and contend the next right. year. I, I think Calgary has that that type of team that you can look back uh, a year from now and say that, uh, you know, that's a team that's in the thick of things once again in the Western. All right, it's time to play uh, Canada's fastest growing game. It is called Smoke fire or shut your pie. I give <laughs> Kipper some rumors. He tells us yes. whether or not there is anything to him. As I mentioned, it used to be called smoke or fire. Now it's called smoke fire. Yes. Shut your pie hole. Pretty simple. Smoke means eh, not much there. Fire means legit. Yeah. And shut your pie hole. Wow, that's pretty much. Speaks for itself. <laughs> Kipper, you ready to play? I'm ready. Jesse, you ready to play? I'm in. And I hope Canada's ready to play. Let's start with the Sens. And DJ Smith, the struggles, as we mentioned, yeah. uh, five straight losses that combined with new ownership set to take hold soon raises questions about the head coach's future behind the bench. Smoke, fire, shut your pie hole. DJ Smith is on the hot seat. Yeah, I, I would say that there's uh, there's smoke here for sure. And like you, you just mentioned, it, you, we're going to have a, an announcement, whether it's uh, next week, two weeks, a month from now, there's going to be a new ownership group. And th they're going to want to do much more than just a, a fresh paint of, uh, uh, fresh, you coat know, of paint, yeah. fresh coat of paint uh, in, in the building. They're going to want to come in and, and and let people know that there's uh, a new management team that uh, wants to have their own thoughts, philosophies, and and who's running the show. So does that mean that you know Pierre Pierre Dorian's gone and DJ Smith's gone? Not necessarily. They may want to come in and just maybe get to know uh, a few people here before they make any rash uh, decisions. But um, most likely, we're going to see one, if not two, changes. I I, I don't believe that even under new management or new ownership, that both these guys can survive as early as September. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, the World Baseball Classic has been a hot topic on this show. Uh, it's been a pretty big success this year. We had Connor McDavid on the show yeah. saying that everyone's dropped the ball that we haven't seen best on best since 2016. I added to it by saying the fact that Crosby 
and McDavid and McKinnon haven't played on a line together yeah. is an absolute calamity for the game of hockey. Smoke, fire, or shut your pie hole. A best-on-best best hockey tournament is coming soon. Oh, it's fire for sure. It's just that they can't get their act together and they can't have anything with consistency and, you know, should be at least one every three or four years, right? I mean, the same thing with the Olympics. I don't think you can do it uh, every year, um, but certainly the players want it, the fans want it, and they're going to have to recruit, recoup some of this money here from the pandemic. And much like the baseball uh, with uh, MLB here, you, you put your tournament on. I don't know whether or not the, the fans would truly love it as much as the Olympics. Right. We know what that means to Connor McDavid. Um, but it's a, it's an easy cash grab for, for these leagues now, and I think the players are on board, especially... Two years. How hard is it? Do a World done. Cup, yeah. do the Olympics. They, and they, if you skip the Olympics, you won't at least yeah. crush yourself if you don't want to go yeah. all the way across and play in the middle of the night. Since the early 2000s, it's been a disaster, and we had our league, the NHL, well, I'll take ownership on it yeah. in this instance, we were ahead of every other league when it came to international play, mm -hmm. and we completely dropped the ball here. Yeah, dropped it, fumbled it, tripped trying to pick it up, and the other team yeah. went the other way. Like, th this is a joke. Yeah. Jesse, I know you want to jump Well, no, it's just it's not even like the, the last World Cup of hockey was bad. It was amazing. And they just they just stopped. Like, that's the frustrating thing. It's not like it was bad. Yeah, didn't go well, to the Olympics it was. And it had some extenuating circumstances Listen, around an Olympics. Yeah. But the only thing that was on, kind man. of bad, though, was, you know, this North American team. Yeah, they got and, that. Uh, it's team fun Europe. Time, and come on, world, world means world. Put yeah. clubs together, and if they suck, so be it. They got to come from countries. Couldn't agree more. All right, um, listen, I was talking about Connor Bedard's numbers yeah. over the last little while. He scored his 70th in his 55th game yeah. of the season, up to 142 points over the weekend. I was trying to put some context to this, and I was really struggling, Kipper. So, smoke, fire, or shut your pie yeah. hole. Bedard is the best junior player you've ever seen. I would tend to shut the pie hole on this oh, one. Yeah, <laughs> no, nobody, nobody can sit there definitively from certain eras and say, hey, Bedard's way better than Mario was in Laval. Right. Or Bobby or, or not. Crosby and yeah. Ramuski. Or McDavid in, in Erie. Come right. on, like Lindros in Oshawa. We're talking about different eras, and they're all special players. They're all great players. Bedard is certainly lending to. Okay, to look at this. Look at this draft year comparison here, right? Like, it's pretty impressive. It's, it's, incre it's, it's incredibly uh, uh, impressive, but we are still talking about. Connor McDavid, who's just tearing it up right okay. now. Let the kid come in next year and just see where he is after a year before you go back and, and anoint him uh, the best that's ever I just come said best junior. junior. Like, listen, I know a guy who scored is, 60 What does best junior. mean to you? <laughs> best scorer? Just is, that's, you're giving me stats. I appreciate the stats. Okay. If you're telling me he's a better scorer at that same age than, than other players, I'll, I'll give you that. Best player? Now we're in a different conversation. I got one more that I think you might get fired up on. Yeah. Um, listen, we were talking about this all week, but the QMJHL that already had a low number of fights in their league is suggesting that they will flat out ban fighting. There has been a ton of debate 
around this on our show in the hockey community. Uh, the Q's spokesperson is suggesting that this is coming, though they haven't agreed upon what it will actually be. You already get five and ten for a fight in the queue, and there is a suggestion that it might go to tossed from the game and a one-game suspension. Smoke, fire, or shut your pie hole, banning fighting is good for junior hockey. Yeah, this one is not a shut your pie hole. This is pucker it up. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Well, I, don't, I don't understand that. All right, okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Pucker. Yeah. Uh, then, like, nothing can squeak through there. Just shut it. Completely. Like, it's further okay, along so the, the scale. Yes, it's much it. higher oh, than it, shut it. it. Okay, Pucker so is like why. nothing gets through. Tell me why. Because it's a non-issue here. They've sanitized it so much. They don't even want to give it credit. Like let's give the let's let's give some people some credit because it's been a natural evolution of, of fighting de-escalating in right. our league. Right. But nobody wants to mention that. They're bringing up this topic like it's a huge problem. We've sanitized our game from the junior level to the NHL more so than we've ever seen before. Why is this even a hot button topic? Well, where did it come from? It's not like all I of a sudden we're seeing a government. ton of people fighting. I can tell you. Well, yeah, the government. The government. Yeah, yeah of course. But Isabel Charette. Yeah. A former Olympic sure. speed skater and Enrico sure. Ciccone, yeah. who did it for a living in the National Hockey yeah. League and suggests, Kipper, okay. and I'm going to throw it out there, that, that 17, 18-year-old kids don't need to suffer brain damage yeah. for other people's enjoyment. I get all of that, but it, it's, no one's fighting anyways, really. Yeah. And we have rules that uh, penalize people for doing it much more than, what, two times, three times? Right. Like, it's... It's, it's looking after itself here. We're talking about governments getting involved. Can you show us you can run a country first before you want to tell us about everything we need to know about our game? How about being good at what you're doing first and foremost before you stick your fingers in everybody else's eye hole? Eye hole. Let's get the break. There's so many counters I'd love to walk through, but that, my friends, is how you close a segment. Time for one last break. We'll get to game time and wrap things up ahead of uh, Hockey Central. Let's get for sticks around for game time. And you're not wrong, my friend. You are not wrong. <laughs> Just got a text. Kipper bleeping mic drop. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Raptors back in action tomorrow as they host the Pacers. Fittingly, it will be Canada basketball night at Scotiabank Arena with all the Canadians on the Pacers. Scotty Barnes, update day-to-day, -day, didn't practice aujourd'hui, but good news, MRA was clear. Meantime, Canada basketball unveiled their new jerseys with their new sponsors, Sun Life along the bottom. Canada basketball CEO Michael Bartlett will join us in studio tomorrow for Canada basketball night at the Raptors game. Game day always starts with Tim and friends. Here's what's coming your way tonight. Hockey Central will follow us. Then it's the Devils and Wild on Sportsnet Pacific. The World Baseball Classic United States Japan is on Sportsnet Ontario East and one across the country. Seven Eastern, four Pacific. Canucks host Vegas in a special game with the Canucks Foundation being involved. Then the Flames are in Anaheim in regional action and a very big game. And for game time, we hand it over to Jesse Rubinoff. All right, so SJ writes in, says uh, Tim asking the last question to Kipper. 
with the whole lump, let him cook meme, <laughs> which is precisely what happened. Cooked yeah. up a pie. Yeah. Uh, Gold says Benso, uh, Patricia, go Kipper. And Dennis says, amen, Kipper couldn't set it better, but the QMJHL banning fighting. Uh, the government should stay out of sports. So, and and also a wonderful point about the league's already doing a really good job of lowering the number of fights and no one really pointing it out. Mm-hmm. Well, you did. Fairness, yeah. we did on the show. No, but I, but I like, they deserve credit. Yeah. Like, we didn't give credit for taking yeah. out the ridiculousness yeah. of, yeah. you know, the 21-year-old in the Western Hockey League who's 6'8", 260, there to just fight and grabbing a 17-year-old and beating the snot out of them. Like, that doesn't really happen as much or at all anymore. No. And also, you know, the numbers speak for itself, but you don't see the NHL going back to, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry and saying, hey, take a look at how great we are. It's just something that's evolved on its own. And that, to me, is, you know, the, the best part about it. Ultimately, ultimately, the players, it's still there. Right. The players are deciding they don't need it as much as they, 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 they've had it in the past either. Right. So it's, it's, it's where the players decide the most, for me, is the most important thing. I don't want to get that in, but we got two questions in game time. Yeah, well, it should be a great game tonight uh, in Miami. USA taking on Japan in the final of the World Baseball Classic. Mike Trout against Shohei Otani. Earlier in the show, we debated which... One of them is the greatest player in baseball right now, but the GOAT of basketball says, let them decide it on the field. You play a clip from LeBron. <laughs> a lot of talk going on these days about who is the greatest ever. The raw talent, the most clutch moments. I get it, it's a tough call. But maybe the best way to sell this debate is to play it out. Head to head. I'll watch that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's one of the best commercials I've ever seen. You just convinced me to watch. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, Michael Jordan knows a thing or two about uh, basketball as well. The Fender visit the Clippers tonight on Sportsnet 360 as Shea Gilgis-Alexander faces his former team. SGA is coming off a 40-point performance Sunday against the Suns. Back in 2019, the Clippers traded him to OKC as part of the blockbuster deal for Paul George. So, Timmy, when it's all said and done, how do you think history will view that deal? Clippers got to win. Otherwise, it is lock and load to the Thunder, and it might already be there. By the way, did you know? Yeah, title. Thunder now five and one in the month of March. Shea's averaging 35 points a game on 54% shooting. He leads the NBA in points per game since the All Star break. And guess what? My guy's Canadian. Thanks, Kipper. Love my Tuesdays. Yeah, it's fun to have you in here. As always, uh, Nick Kiprios, Jesse Rubinoff, I'm Tim McAuliffe. Hockey Central with David Amber, Jamal Mares, and Mike Fuda is next. Thanks for watching.